Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we are halfway through the college season. I had to think about it for a little bit, but we started in early February. The World Series is in early June, and here we are in April. So it just feels like it's gone by really fast, but we still have a lot of the magic in front of us. So however you got here today, whether on audio, podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, etc., or watching on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe if you haven't yet. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Click the link in our bio on either page or go to shop.believe.com to purchase merch. There are three shirts available for covering our bases, safer out, or catch you soon. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll be covering our bases. I'll give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Caitlin Lowe. From Arizona to Team USA, and even actually USSA Pride, now that I think about it, she is all about the red, white, and blue. Really excited to have her. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games right through to the NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Where we're going to start today, first, I want to talk about just impact. And I mean impact that goes beyond just what's happening between the white lines on the field. And there were a couple of pretty cool stories around this recently. So firstly, I want to highlight UW. Washington, every player on the roster was paired with a patient at the Seattle Children's Hospital to design cleats in their honor. They're basically white cleats and they they put artwork on them. Like, and they worked with each of the kids to do that. And the Huskies debuted them this past weekend. They're going to wear them a few other times throughout the season. But I think the coolest part of this is that they they made those connections on the visit. You know, some kids have been to a game this season, some kids who can't leave the hospital watch the team rep the cleats on TV this past weekend. But I think overall it was just the personal connection that the players were able to make with these kids. And the cleats were really a symbol of that. And Megan Vandegrift summed it up really well by saying that, you know, maybe they even got more out of it than the kids did because those are the moments that really stick with you. But then on the other side of things, the Stanford softball team also went to the Giants game this past week when the Dodgers were in town playing them. So I actually ran into head coach Jessica Allister at Phil's, which is a local favorite coffee shop here in the Bay Area. You'll probably hear more about it later in this episode. I might have mentioned it before too, because I'm essentially addicted. But she told me they were going to do this. And Jessica Mendoza was actually there doing the MLB broadcasts. And she had the team on the field and got to meet some of the front office women in the org as well. So this is like Alyssa Nacken, for example, who's on the coaching staff, first woman to coach first base in a game last year. And she played collegiate softball. And I think it was just all about these young women seeing opportunities for women in sport. That was the main thing that Coach Alistair said. She was like, yeah, we weren't actually originally going to have this day off, which was the Monday after Easter, because they already had that Sunday off. But, you know, this is really great. They have a lot of women in their organization. We want to do this. And that's just that's the big picture, isn't it? So I just thought it was really great because seeing a college team make an impact with kids and then you see a retired pro Olympian player make an impact with the college team at her alma mater too. So it's just, it shows that it's all levels and the impact goes both ways and, and is really just a ripple effect. Second thing is I want to talk about the weather a little bit, because basically what I just alluded to is that, you know, it takes a village really to be successful and for this softball community to go around. Well, weather is a big factor for a lot of teams. Utah had nearly 20 inches of snow on the field before hosting ASU, the series, this past weekend, and they still ended up being able to play. The facilities team, which is led by Trevor, shout out to Trevor and the squad, was able to get it ready. 
And the staff, the players, parents, even players' boyfriends, I'm told, helped shovel the snow to make sure that this could happen. You know, the Utes, they've had multiple games canceled or postponed already this spring, and it's been because of weather, and they just want to play. You know, and this is something that programs in the Midwest and the Northeast have to deal with a lot as well. And they're on the road for two straight months to start the season. And when I've talked with Amy Hogue before broadcast this year, she's mentioned how, you know, she doesn't really mind traveling as long as it means getting to play. Like, that's what she really wants to do. And the closest thing that I can relate to with seeing the videos of them shoveling the snow and everything is tarping the field for rain back when I played. California is not a comparison to Utah or these other regions that I've mentioned, but sometimes we would get some pretty, pretty intense storms. And even this year, that's actually happened a bit. And I don't miss some of that, but there were also some fun times and there's a little bit of pride in just like taking care of your own. You know, infielders, for example, we used to rake our positions every day on the dirt at the end of practice. Coach Lawson talked about that last week about how it's like, yes, we can and should be pushing for more support and things, but we can also do with what we have and would still make a pretty big impact. So just seeing the videos in the snow and everything reminded me of just sort of that purity of just wanting to play, which, you know, we all feel and felt at some point. Speaking of just wanting to play third, I'm talking pro softball now. So playing after the college days, the WPF draft is April 17th in Oklahoma city. It is the league's first draft that's open to the public. It's going to be at the Yale theater starts at 6 PM central, 4 PM Pacific and it's going to be streamed on WPF's YouTube. They are partnering with D1 Softball, so they're going to be sponsoring the Players' Lounge at the event, but also the post-draft show that's going to be on the D1 platforms after online. So just talking about trying to transfer that energy and support from college softball to pro softball, I'm glad to see media coverage doing that as well, seeing that crossover between an outlet that focuses on D1 Softball to do that on the pro side. I'm really excited for the outfits too. I mean, we have seen the WNBA draft evolve. If you were following along this year, it's been fun too. I mean, one way to tell how much it's evolved, I think, is the outfits as well. Because they they go all out like it's a red carpet and they just own it. And I saw some current like WNBA players joking around about how like, wow, my draft outfit was like from Macy's and now this year someone's like showing up in a Rolex. Like, I'm not saying you have to spend all that money. But just owning it is really cool. And the WPF commissioner, Lauren Chamberlain, tweeted, dress to impress. You know, this is business cocktail, elevated bossy. And I've seen some of her power suits, and I'm a big fan. So I'm excited for softball players to get to have their moment and just see where it goes from here. Then to bring it home, I actually have a broadcasting break this weekend. It's a rare one. But then I'm back at it next week with five games. So if you want to follow along, I'm calling the Stanford baseball game on Tuesday, April 18th, Cal softball and Pac-12 network on Wednesday, the 19th, and then the Cal at Stanford softball series over the weekend on Pac-12 network. So stay tuned for that. Another one you'll catch on Pac-12 network and pretty much the rest of the season is today's guest. I had a chance to talk to her last week before I called her Arizona series at Stanford. So let's head into the interview. She is the Arizona head coach, only first-year head coach to go to the Women's College World Series since 1988 and first female head coach to do it ever. Olympic silver medalist, retired pro, and member of the USSA Hall of Fame, four-time All-American at Arizona, two-time national champion, career stolen base record holder, and one of the best center fielders to ever do it, Caitlin Lowe. Coach, how was hearing that intro for the second time since we had the technical difficulties? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> no, I love the, the USSA pride shout-out. I remember my... Um, the one thing on my bio when they would announce me during game was I, I've been a member since the inaugural season, which makes me just feel old. <laughs> You're like, the thanks for that. Pride was around. Yeah, no, but that's, I mean, just loved every, every piece of the career, but also like just getting to meet so many different people, um, throughout my softball life and just brings back memories of all of those days. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is really cool. And I, I know that, um, a couple years ago, you guys were here in Palo Alto, and I'm super excited to to call your games again this weekend. And it feels mm-hmm. like a lifetime ago at the same time. Like, it feels like recent, but also forever ago at the same time. But I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> yes, and we love coming back here and, you know, just seeing the way that the facilities have grown and um, how the program has grown. I mean, man, they're 
they're a force to be reckoned with this year. And, um, you know, we it was nice to get back out on the field for practice and have some beautiful weather. And we're just looking forward to the series this weekend. Yeah, I, it's it's really cool to see the growth of some of the facilities and things, too, throughout the pack. I mean, seeing what you've all done at the Rita and also the fact that you're hosting the pac tournament this year. So we'll all get to see it showcased, which is super exciting. Yeah, we're very excited to host it and um, just such a cool new way to watch softball. And I think it just feels like a pro level stadium up there. Um, The production that we can do now, the instant replay that we've been able to um, put in the Pac-12 and and just the amenities for our fans. And, you know, it's not just cool to see the facilities, but even the TV coverage this year and ESPN and everyone Pac-12 network releasing how many games are going to be on TV. And it's very rare to actually see one that's not on TV, which is so cool for our sport. It is because back in see this is when I feel old back in my day um you know we had game tracker and it was like little stick figures moving from base to base that people were trying to refresh and now here we are yeah exactly there were little dots right and you're like okay was that a screamer to the outfield did that bloop in we don't know and now if you don't find it on tv then there's a tweet about it and a you know a highlight reel and and all of the things so we're pretty blessed to live in this day and age with with softball just really kicking butt (laughs) A hundred percent as it should, as it should. And I know I asked you this once before, but everyone needs to hear it. The answer that you gave me too, which is, you know, I had a chance to talk with Mike Andrea after he announced his retirement after the last time you guys were here back in 2021. And he was really excited for you to take the job. And I can't help but think about the fact that he was your college coach, your team USA coach. He was your boss when you were back at Arizona on the staff. And now here you are on your own, but did you ever get sick of each other? <laughs> we never we never got sick of each other. I think there were times maybe we had to take a little bit of a break, but he's <laughs> he um he's just so cool. And you know, I think I've I've lived through many different versions of Coach Kendra. You know, when he recruits you, you're just in awe of just his presence and and how great he is and his knowledge of the sport, but also kind of, you know, it's always funny when recruits used to walk out of his office and kind of be like, but he's just a normal guy, you know? And I think that was the cool thing. He was just so good with people still is. Um, But yeah. And now I'm lucky enough. He's got an office down the hallway. He's kind of our special assistant to our athletic director. um, And he still gets to, you know, I still get to pick his brain, which is cool, but um, truly has been a role model slash father figure slash, you know, one of the best to learn from in the in the game of softball. But it's kind of crazy how many people don't talk about him in the softball capacity and really just in, you know, life and how he's helped them through life. So um, just just really an honor to have him as a friend now and um, lucky to have played for him for a very long time in several different ways. He really is one of those just pillars of softball, but I think you're right. People think of him as just, he's a coach who wins, you know, like regardless of sport too. And it's cool that it's Mike Kendria field now too, that you guys get to play on. And I don't know. I like that that tradition has kind of carried on um, for you all. It seems like a special. He had to retire for it to happen because it wasn't going to happen with him there. He's just too stubborn. You know, (laughs) I don't know anybody like that. But um, yeah, now he's on the wall where he's belong. He belongs, and you know, I'm waiting for like a statue to be built. We have a Lute Olson statue over at basketball, so it's time. I think it's maybe going to be like one of the home run high fives, or like leaning on a fungo or something like that. Oh, both of those sound <laughs> perfect. Yes, the fungo. I've heard about his fungo too. I remember Natasha wow. Wally was talking about it before from Team USA. Yeah, I've heard about the fungo. <laughs> I mean, they make a machine called the Fungo Man, and I, that's. I mean, it's him. He is the Fungo Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But one thing I love too, when you took over the job, I think in maybe one of your first press conferences when it was all announced and everything, is that you said you would be your best at the job. And I've actually mentioned this a few times, like on my podcast, but also other shows I've joined too, about how much I loved that because in a place that has so much tradition, I mean, literally tradition lives here is like one of the sayings, right? At Arizona. I appreciated though, that you were wanting to be yourself because isn't that important rather than trying to be coach Candrea, like everyone should be their best selves. Yes. I think, you know, that was probably the hardest struggle within the first year was, 
you know, you're taking over a program that's not broken, <laughs> you know, it doesn't need to be revamped. It's just, you know, and, and I came here and believe so much in, you know, the tradition and the values um, that we hold and the standards that we hold. So for that part, it was easy, but okay, now it's time to put your stamp on, you know, what you want your staff to look like, but also like this generation of players, it's just different. Um, so, and, and I think he was one of the best at that, like being able to adapt to the team that he was coaching and not just stay, um, the same as he was in the eighties, you know, it's not going to work. So he was able to learn from the 18 to 22 players that he had every year and kind of, um, change his ways according to that. So something that I learned from him and then just, you know, you got to believe in things to your core if they're ever going to work. And, um, to me, that's when you have to true to your gut and true to yourself and it's nice to have someone in your corner that you know believes that you're going to make the right choice and and that gives you even more confidence to kind of do that moving forward Mm. yeah that's a really good point and you mentioned Mm -hmm. the staff too because that has been whenever anyone asks me like oh what staff are you really impressed by or interested to watch I immediately have always said for the past couple years Arizona, because looking at the fact that you have your old teammate with Taryn, and then you have Lappin too, who I obviously know from the Stanford alumni circles, but she's also just one of your teammates from Team USA and been somebody who's coached at the pro level and all of those things. So it seems like a really cool idea to have this kind of teammate dynamic with mm-hmm. your staff. How does that, how did that translate? Well, Taryn was a very natural choice for me. I, I was glad when she came over from Ole Miss and I, I knew what I was going to, you know, what to expect from her, what she's going to bring. Um, and, and then with Lappin, you know, I am not a micromanager in any sense of the word. So like I wanted someone who was going to come in defensively and just like take the reins. And um, she did that from day one, stepping in with our defense. And, um, you know, that's been so cool. And I think it's important to find people that you um, that you agree with, like about the core stuff and then people that are going to challenge you. And mm-hmm. she challenges me and like, we have great conversations about like, Hey, but what about this? And I think it was really important for me to step outside our alumni base in a lot of ways, because, you know, Taryn and I have only known this way and yeah, we've gone on to pro level stuff and like gotten, you know, certain different ways of doing things. But for lap, she had a different process growing up. And to me, that's cool. And um, she's also like, the the front runner on the energy bus and that's not I'm I am very here <laughs> I am very even keeled and she is the hype woman and we have a lot of people on our team that are like that so it's it's just really important to bring at least I feel like a different dynamic in um so that now you know she enhances our program and it's not just you know three people that kind of believe the same things and we're right here and um I know I'm a very um specific um, I'm very serious and intense and, you know, I need someone to kind of be the yin to my yang. Well, and it's that self-awareness that's so important, right? And it is, you're hundred percent right. I don't know if anybody gets more hyped coaching third base than, than Lauren Lappin, like any capacity. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to need you to not get thrown out today. That would be lovely. But also the trust that you have, like you said, like you're talking about how Kendrea kind of has the trust, had the trust in you and, and you have that trust in, in her and your staff too. Like the fact that she's been coaching third base is, is a testament to that. Yeah. Well, and my one complaint is that I don't think she gives herself enough credit for the entire game that she knows, you know, I'll, I'll say something or I'll want to feedback offensively. And I'm like, dude, you have good things to say, like, come on. And, um, you know, she trusts herself so much defensively. And I think she just has, you know, the overall awareness of the game that, you know, she's going to be great at anything she does. Mm. And I mean, we all know what Taryn did when she wore the Arizona uniform as well. Um, and you guys, we're both national champions together, which is, which is really cool because when you take that, that experience, it's like, you know what it's takes to get there. You know, it's like that you can't really replace that. Mm -hmm. Yes. The experience is important, but I think, man, how the game has changed is kind of crazy. I mean, it's changed in so many ways. And I read a, just a amazing article this morning that just came out and Lonnie Alameda was talking about pitching and how pitching has developed, um, 
and how staffs have developed and we've had to adapt to better offenses. And it's just so true. This game is constantly evolving. And I think in really good ways, um, but you have to be different and you have to be ready to grow and adapt with this game. So uh, the experience helps and knowing how tough it is, it really helps. But then again, everybody's tough. I mean, last year you look at every single regional and you're like, man, <laughs> they're all tough. There's no, you know, there's no like just easy path to the World Series. Not that there ever was, but man, the talent is just crazy across the country. It's a good point because Taryn threw so many innings. Like it was a very different time versus the the by committee approach that everyone has to have basically now. Um, well, and you're we right. Were joking, we were joking that you know in um, in Coach Kendrick. Day, you like called your friend who maybe played the same team and got like a scouting report. And now, you know, every single game is uploaded 24 hours later and you have all the information that you could possibly want, which could be a great thing and could be a terrible thing. And it's just deciding what to do with it, how it works for you. Um, but yeah, it's just different. I mean, I remember um, when I first got my office at work, there were um, file cabinets and they had like the actual game films, the little tiny cassette things of um, scouted games and like our games from, and I'm like, so coach, like, are we going to play these opponents again? Like they're all in their 40s. <laughs> you know? Like, what are we doing with all this stuff? But how cool is it? You know, like that's, that's the work that used to go into, to all of it. I mean, even recruits, sending um, information and videos on themselves. It was just such a different process than it is these days. That's so funny because I think back, I thought it was kind of crazy that we had like DVDs basically yeah. or like CDs to, to watch. Yeah. Like now laptops don't even have like a CD or DVD player anymore. <laughs> no, so outdated. Not even yeah. a USB port. That one bothers me though. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm always without an adapter. Yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Not ideal. Now, now everyone can see why we struggled with the technology and the issues that we had to get on oh this God. call. I swear I learned something every new from the players on our team. It's crazy. Oh, I believe that. I believe that 100%. <laughs> totally. Well, actually, in, in terms of you talked about too, how, you know, Lappin's the yin to your yang and you like the balance. I've heard them describe you, meaning Taryn and, and Lap, as someone who might not talk a lot, but when you do, people listen. And that is, I think, an important quality to have or like definitely something that's helpful in leadership. And what do you think? Why do you think that is that that's your style? Um, I just don't like to overcoach. You know, I think um, you recruit good players um, for a reason and they were built in a certain way. You love something about the way they approach the game, the tools that they brought to the game. Um and I think one of my favorite things to do in the fall is observe <laughs> how they interact with each other, how they compete. I want to see them compete with the swing that they have before we ever make adjustments to it. Um, just little things, little intricacies. And I, I think it's important to learn about someone before you ever go in there and try to change something. Cause it's like, you know, why did you recruit them in the first place to enhance your team? So um, I would, I never loved getting overcoached either. It was kind of one of those things that, um, you know, for great players, you're your own worst critic. <laughs> Most of the time you're, al you're already hard enough on yourself. Um, so it's just picking and choosing your times. And I think if you don't have a relationship built with a player first, then they really don't care what you have to say. So I think it's just that, you know, that delicate balance of learning about them as humans, as players, and then being able to go in um, when it matters and in the heat of the moment. And then when you do say something, it's received well, and it's not just lip service. And um, I think that's, you know, the, not the struggle, but the challenge for every coach throughout a season, especially when times get hard is, um, you know, when, when they're ready to hear from you that you have the right things to say and they respect that. And then they get on the boat with you. This sounds like just some insight into what you all accomplished last year too. Like you said, when times get hard, you all were tied for last in the pack last year <laughs> before you ended up going to the world series. And obviously that says something about the conference and the, and the level that yeah. it is, of course, but like, what kind of message do you think that sends? You know, I think, it, we all knew in the fall of 
last year what type of team we could be. So everybody kind of had this vision and it was just a matter of time for us. Um, And then we went through the hard stuff that every team goes through. You know, we went through three or four people being out at one time because they were injured. And you know what? That happens. It happens to the best of us. It's kind of happening to us right now. Um, And just being able to trust the process of showing up every day and what that means. And eventually we're going to get um, to that goal. And, you know, I think being a coach, assistant, head coach, whatever it is, it's you're showing them that hope that light at the end of the tunnel, that goal is still there. Um, And it's the gauntlet, man. I mean, I think you've seen this conference grow in so many different ways and how cool, like I, I'm pretty sure if it's not the toughest this year, just, you know, RPI wise, strength schedule wise, it's, I mean, we've done a good job of not just recruiting and enhancing, but also just like scheduling and like challenging ourselves and, um, it, it's going to be huge setup for the postseason um, for all involved. But no, no game is. I mean, every game is a challenge in very different ways. So um, I think just being able, you know, the life lessons come through getting through the hard. It's not the easy stuff that matters. It's it's the hard stuff that really makes you who you're going to be as a player. And um, not giving up in those moments is so crucial. And you know, we got to feel it. You know, I think one of the coolest moments of my coaching career was selection show Sunday (laughs) and just like hearing the just pure raw emotion of like making that. And then it felt like not only like a celebration, but kind of this release of like everything that had happened and like, okay, now we can just go play and play free. And um, we became a different team after that. And it was really cool to just see that turn them into the team that they could be at the end of the year. And I'm sure that felt different to your point as a head coach, because you've obviously experienced that plenty of times, right? Selection show Sunday, but as a head coach, right? It's like, it probably hits differently. Totally differently. And there's just so much more involved, you know, you're, you have a, a staff going through a season, players going through a season. There's so much that goes, that goes into it. And we went through a whole lot last year to get to a really good place at the end of the year. And I think, to be honest, those struggles made us who we are or who we were at the World Series and um, and really through the postseason. And I don't think if we would have cruised that it would have been the same team at the end. 100%. The, cruising that's seems what... nice, though. I mean, I would like to experience cruising a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Although I don't know if that's possible in the Pac-12. Well, I, I don't think anyone cruises at all. Oh. <laughs> uh... You did have a really cool moment too at the World Series that um, I loved. And I actually brought it up when Laura Berg came on the show um, mm-hmm. after last year's season where you guys hugged afterwards. You know, you got, I think it was your, your first win at the Women's College World Series as a head coach. And then there's the two of you, like former teammates, outfielders, and you just had that moment afterwards in Oklahoma City. And just coming from a, a conference where when you were hired, it was all women head coaches ever since that that day. I mean, that seems pretty special. It was. It was special. And, you know, I think I looked up to her so much growing up. And um, I think the coolest thing ever was my very first practice on the Olympic team and just realizing how how human she was, right? Like just normal person and um, getting to throw behind her an outfield throw and just like my jaws on the floor. And she just, I mean more than being just the best outfielder ever. She's just a cool teammate and a cool person. And I love her as a friend and um, what a competitor. And it was so cool to experience that moment with her because I know how hard she's worked um, and put into that team, how much work she's put into that team. And um, yeah, just special for me to to be able to. And I'm blessed that she played for as long as she did because I got to play with my idol, which not many people get to do. Well, what I found awesome in a lot of ways too is that you're you're obviously saying she's the best outfielder of all time she said you were the best center fielder and she (laughs) actually said on our show too she was like you know I actually learned things from Caitlin too like you can teach an old dog new tricks those are her words where she was like she would do something and I would try it and that also to me is is very symbolic of true greatness right where you're always learning so I thought that was really cool that you both have that sort of thought and feeling towards each other yeah, if I could trade anything, I would be naturally 
actually left-handed and have her spin to home plate. That was like, I mean, it's the most just poetic, beautiful thing to watch is like a lefty one hop that like hits and then spins back to a catcher. It's like, like I know I'm nerding out on outfield talk, but like, man, it's just so cool. And I might have her in speed, but I don't think I have her in anything else. So, um, <laughs> I mean, her jumps, her jumps are amazing. Her throws on point and just like, you know, I can't imagine a pitcher wanting to have anyone else back there than her. She is like number one hype woman for every single pitch that you throw. Well, the fact that Team USA had both of you at the same time is pretty incredible, too. (laughs) Getting to play next to it. Well, and Mendoza, too, you know, and Kelly Crutchman and Amanda Freed at one point. And um, just, I mean, it's so cool how you still, you know, you leave the game in college and you think you've got a pretty good idea of yourself. And then you step into that and you're like, man, I'd have no idea. (laughs) I have so much more growth. Um, to accomplish I remember my first um, uh, like my first bump in the road offensively and just walking in being totally upset with myself and Crystal Bustos just like sitting there with her arms crossed like this she's like she used to call me little one she's like little one um, what's the big deal and I'm just like frustrated and she's just like okay well you're gonna have a lot more at bats so you got to get over that one pretty fast and I'm like all right I'm gonna, you know, just like, you know, she'll strike out, she'll put her helmet down and think about it. And like, how am I going to be better? And then she's on to the next and just the, the emotional maturity of that group is just, I mean, that's what made them so great. Like, yeah, the talent, but then being able to stay kind of consistent and at the same level was really cool to see. It's so much easier said than done to, to be able to do that. (laughs) It is, but I will tell you, it's helped me a lot in coaching because you have to be steady and you have to be steady regardless of how you feel, how the team feels, how, you know, any outside things that are kind of coming at you or adversity that gets thrown your way. I mean, that's, I mean, one of the biggest things that coach Candrea did, you couldn't tell if he had a bad day at practice in games. It just, he was the same person. Mm. That's true. Consistency. It's, it seems so simple, but it's, it's not easy, but it is kind of, that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. Totally. Being a mom will help you with that too. <laughs> Man, I was, I've just talked to some recent guests about how I just keep hearing all the parallels between coaching and parenthood. Like it is it's, crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. You just don't know until you know too. It's just like the, the funniest thing. But going from year one as the head coach into year two, like now so far this season, what were some of the big things that you wanted to focus on? after having gotten that first year under your belt? Well, I think um, walking into our first team meeting year one, it was like, you know, what do we change? What do we not change? And we didn't change a lot. And I think um, year two, first team meeting, totally authentic, totally ourselves. And it was like, I didn't know what to say until I lived through last year. Like, I don't think it would have, you know, happened organically. Now, now I knew what was important. I knew what mattered. Um, I knew what mattered to not just myself, not just my staff, but to our team. Um, And so just tweaking things like, um, you know, our first pillar now was just joy, like playing with joy, living with joy, like so many things were just like, man, when we feel good about ourselves and each other, like our play gets better. So I think just you know, simplifying what was important to us when we step on the field. And um, yeah, it just came out naturally. And and to me, that was, you know, I think every coach will tell you, you kind of have to live through the first year and sometimes survive the first year a little bit um, to get to what you want to say. And um, for, for us, it was just what became important after that. And we've been really blessed this year with just not just good athletes, but good people um, one through 18. And so it was really important to show them that vision of what we wanted and how we wanted to be better than, um, than we were last year. Mm. So important because all the teams are different, right? Like, of course, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the team last year, but like this year's team is a new team, you know, and, and we're halfway through Pac-12 play here. Like this is a new, new experience. And I have loved seeing the drive and the intensity in some of the players this year. Like I've loved seeing 
some upperclassmen like Devin Nets, who hadn't really hit before this year in actual games. And all of a sudden she's like double digit home runs. That's awesome. Isn't it crazy? I mean, I I recruited her as a hitter, which first a hitter first and um, not many people know this. And um, it's, it's the hardest thing about being a coach, but like last year she was in a boot for about like 75% of the year. Um, we couldn't afford for her to run bases or spend an hour in the cage. And let me tell you that <laughs> she's a worker. So like, if you tell her she's going to hit, she's going to be the best at it. Um, so for us, it was kind of, how do we keep her healthy to do what she needs to do for the team last year? And so this summer, I mean, she worked first and foremost on taking a break and getting healthy, which will absolutely destroy someone like her because she just doesn't know how to sit still and like relax. Um, but she's also learned how to throw her bullpens efficiently so that she doesn't overwork herself. She's learned when, you know, sometimes she needs help. Like yesterday, I'm like, take your helmet off. You're not taking a fifth round of batting practice. But, you know, she's learned how to just have quality, you know, repetitions instead of quantity, 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 which I feel like a lot of people grow up doing. But um, getting her healthy was the big thing. And then once she got healthy, I mean, she added three to four miles per hour on her pitches. Um, and we could put a bat in her hands, which was like hesitant at first, but but not really because she was ready to go bigger, bigger, stronger running on the ground, which is like a really big deal, I think, for pitchers, um, you know, and she wasn't able to do that. She was on a bike all last year. So um, it was just getting her healthy because now she feels, you know, I think you see the fire come out because she feels like her best self and she really just didn't have um, that fully last year. Right. Right. Like it's that internal piece. And even seeing the yeah. freshmen like Olivia DiNardo, immediate impact, like leading in multiple categories, statistically, all of that good stuff. Like I just like seeing that. I don't know. I love seeing like young players come in and make immediate impacts and just seeing sort of the upperclassmen influence. But that like underclassmen contribution is is fun. I think that's when um, the coolest things happen in our game. You know, I think back to when. Um, this is really dating myself too, but like when Michigan won their national championship, they had really good upperclassmen, but they had really good at, at influx of freshmen that made an impact. And um, kind of like, like, you know where you're going, but then this gives you the boost of like, okay, let's go. Like they don't need to be taught the way they're ready to go. And I think <clears throat> that's kind of what we felt this year with our freshmen, not just Liv, but Dakota and Taylor and really um Aisa on the mound and um Logan Cole who hasn't seen a lot of time on the field but in practice makes us better every single day um yeah just an influx Kaya Altmeyer who's been hurt as of recently but she just stepped right in so um the maturity of that group though the fire the maturity the poise um it's not something that you see in a freshman class and I give a lot of credit to our upperclassmen for that for kind of showing them the way and making them feel comfortable, which I think was different than last year. You know, it doesn't feel like a competition for spots as much as everybody's bringing their best to the table and it kind of raises the level of play for everyone. That's so internal too. Like you're talking, everyone's talented and and everyone's working hard, right? So like that's pretty, pretty much a constant and something expected in in the culture, but like that internal piece, that mental piece feels like the differentiator when it comes down to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, when you see our practice, it's, we have, you know, three over at shortstop and they're making each other better every day. And they're hyped when somebody makes a good play and it's not them. And you could look at that in two different ways and they choose to look at it as helping somebody up and being them their best selves. And, um, at the end of the day, that makes everybody better. Um, and so we're just in a good spot because of that. And, you know, we, it's been really cool for us to have some um, flexibility with where some people can play because they're just athletic and and someone like Taylor Beal, um, who's now, I mean, she's a natural shortstop, has played right field. She's now at first base with Scarly Scoopin out. Um, we threw some gear on her last week just in case. <laughs> so it's just, and they're like, I walked into the dugout when Carly got hurt and man, I'm like, Taylor, you got first base? And she's like, yeah, cool. Like this is great <laughs> with her little glove, right? Like her little shortstop glove. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're all in for whatever the team needs, and I think that's that's the coolest thing that you want to see as a coach is just what 
can I do to make this team better? Well, when you say all in, I think of, I think back to your playing days too, watching you guys and just the Pac-12 compete and everything before I went to college. That was definitely the way I would describe you, whether or not you're super vocal about it or not, but it's just that drive because I remember you running straight into the wall in center field and like breaking your face <laughs> to make a play for your team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, I don't, I don't know that we have the same concussion protocols that we do um, these days, but um, no, it, I, I was not the hype person and we joke about this. We were talking about it last night, actually, because um about Lappin and I playing each other on this field and um Lapp was you know throwing her hands and doing all the things and I'm just like okay like give me the ball give me the ball give me the ball so um yeah and that's interesting because there's there's people on our team that are the same right like Olivia DiNardo you're not gonna see her pulse like I don't know that she has a heartbeat honestly <laughs> she's so just like here the whole time and she's very much so the player that I was, and then you're going to see Dakota Kennedy get fired up, um, for every single little thing that happens. So, um, and I think that the cool thing is that they respect that about each other. Um, you know, that we're all different, but we're all kind of the same too, as far as like what we want to do and how passionate we are about, um, getting to our goal. Well, and you reflect that in the coaching staff, like you said, you all respect your differences and use it to complement each other. And then if that trickles down to the team, like that's kind of the goal. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think back, by the way, this is more me having to just give you a shout out because I know you wouldn't ever bring this up yourself, but you never oh, made God. an error in college. Oh, yeah. But I did in the Olympics, which is not where you want to do it. <laughs> True. And of yes. course, the great players are going to remember that. Day. Yeah. Monica Abbott, poor Monica Abbott was on the pitchers. Ma- I mean, it didn't, I don't think it ended up mattering, but um, it matters to me, you know? <laughs> no. And I think too, you got to think about, um, you know, in those days, Alicia Hollowell was striking out. I mean, she got most of the outs herself. Sometimes you'd get bored out there in the outfield, you know, but true. yeah. And, and I, I challenge all girls all the time. It's just being, being ready and consistent. And we have some great, um, we have some great outfielders that have come through this program. I mean, Jasmine in center field right now, I remember watching her when she was 13, 14 years old and being like, man, I just want her in center field now. Cause her game sense is unreal. And her dad coaches in the MLB. And so she sees things that are, you know, not normal for a 13, 14 year old, and she's only gotten better. So I love outfield though. It's, it's my, um, my first love. I love hitting too, but outfield is like my baby. Oh, as Laura Berg says, Audi's rule. She said that every yeah, time I talked to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were about, um, about Rittman because Rittman was our outfield coach and um, we were joking because, you know, we'd always come up with some question. Uh, he's going to laugh if he hears this, but we have like, it was one person's job to come up with a question to ask him that he would spend like 10 minutes answering. Um, so it would get us out of like drop steps or some, some like pre-drill that we had to do. <laughs> and one time I asked, I think, um, he would always talk about like a high sky, right? Like, Oh, it's we got a high sky today. And I'm like, dude, like, what does that mean? Like, is the ball going to do something different? Like what, like, does it hang higher? Like what's up? And he spent, he must have spent 20 minutes talking about what high sky was. And then all of a sudden coach Kendra, I would get so upset. Um, and we'd just be chilling over there in like a huddle for 20 minutes. And then coach is like, okay, do you guys want to practice or what? And so, yeah, just love that guy. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're talking about. Having played for him in college, I was in the outfield like a little bit at times. We definitely said Audi's rule at that time too, but he would talk all the time about like, so take a look at their clouds in the sky, like check out the wind, like what direction is it blowing? And like, you can put some grass in the air and see like every little thing he would do that all the time. But most of the time when I was in the infield, we would notice like we were just getting ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. And then he would just be watching us like leaning on his fungo bat, you know, once in a while hit something to the outfield. And we were like, so I, I literally know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think the infielders would get a little frustrated with us, but you know, it's okay. It's all in good fun. It is. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Well, I know you said too that like outfield is is kind of that's your baby, but 
you're also so known for the slapping. Do you feel like that's dying at all in college softball? I don't want to say dying. I would say kind of yes and no. I think people are stopping um, or like hesitating to recruit slappers, to be honest. I think it's turned into such a power game that um, you don't see like a huge influx of um, athletes coming into the game that are slappers. So I think that's changed. I think Mm -hmm. the rule change had a lot to do with it. Um, You know, I still love it because I think if you can get someone with good hand-eye coordination, that's fast. Like, you can expose some defenses, but, um, you know, defense has gotten better. Let's just talk about that. Let's just talk about the, you know, sport center deserving plays that happen every single day in the conference and beyond. Um, so I think that has changed to where you're just not tapping a ball into play and like relying on your speed. You have to be very particular about where you're putting the ball or if you're playing on a field that's bouncy. Um, so I think there's still a place for it. I mean, jazz is, Jasmine's so great at it. And I think someone like Blaze Berenger and Taylor Beal, like it opens up their game for them to do other things too. Um, So I I still think it's there. I just think that it's harder for people to just kind of put all their eggs in that basket. They want the, they want the power swings. I saw, I think a video last year that um, some of the girls made and it was like talking about slapping. And I want to say it was like, talking about how people are like, well, why would you slap when you can hit away? And then they put it to the song, like mama said that it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like photos and videos of you slapping. And I loved it. It was great. <laughs> That's um, Kenzie Fowler is our social media queen. And she is awesome at all of that stuff. Anytime she comes up, she's like, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, you do you, man. I, I can't see the vision at the end. She knows exactly what it's going to look like. And I am not the TikTok master or the Instagram or the real master, but um, she she makes our girls feel like rock stars. I feel like which is so cool. Especially like the alum piece. Like she, not only did she go there, she was an All-American there. She still covers the game and does all the broadcasts. Like what a cool just resource to have in your back pocket also with the team. Absolutely. And she is... Um, she works for all of Arizona athletics, but she has the soft spot for softball. So I think we're very lucky that we get her more than probably some other programs. But um, yeah, she she does such a great job. I think, um, you know, Katie does a good job. Danny um, Martinez, who's kind of in our social media world and was our SAG of blending the um, the history, but understanding that, you know, we have to modernize things too. And we have to like, you know, forge forward. So I think um, they have such a good balance of the respect for the past and and onward to the future. So it's cool to see throughout the entire athletic department. That seems like a theme in Arizona and also at the PAC 12, especially for softball, just because historically, obviously such a successful conference, but also like, let's not forget how competitive it is now and Mm -hmm. focusing on the now and and moving forward on day-to-day staying present too it's an interesting balance to have to strike for sure big time and we've had some great people involved you know our coaching group does a good job and Teresa gold who you know was the leader of that for a while and has moved on to bigger and better a little bit but um lisa peterson is our new um you know head of the seat at the, the table and um, and that's kind of been our talk is like, how are we going to take this to the next generation and how can we do things better? And um, that's why you're seeing the Pac-12 tournament, which we're so excited about and being able to showcase our conference on that level you know, the same week as the SEC tournament and all the conference tournaments, um, I think is going to be a big deal for us heading into postseason too. Yes, I'm so excited for it. I never got to play in one. Obviously, that's not a thing when we played, right? But it's going to be really cool just to have you all in, in one place at the same time. Like that yeah. doesn't happen all the time. Well, and when I played, it was, I mean, travel partners, we would hit Seattle and LA in the same weekend. Like, what were we thinking? I'm just not even oh sure. my. I just had somebody ask me about that. One of my broadcast partners, um, she played soccer in college, right? So she was like, yeah, someone was saying something about what a stat but it was like since the new format where it's a regular three game series like what was the old format and I was like oh my gosh let me tell you about this UCLA like Washington trip that we used to have to do in the same weekend it was uh, so much I'm so glad it changed like I'm not even sure how yeah it was yeah doesn't make any sense it doesn't 
love the three game series now. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, and being in Palo Alto. Okay. I just got the, the info, the 411 from Katie, your SID about fills. Yep. And I'm so glad that you like it because I go, I'm pretty much addicted at this point. Like I go every day, sometimes twice a day. You said it like hot in the morning, iced in the afternoon. That's me. Yep. Mocha Tesora to begin the day. And then the mint one, the iced mint one. And I can't remember the name of it, um, but it's usually my recruiting spot in Huntington Beach because that's where all of our, you know, a lot of our tournaments are. And so I always hit that one up. And then someone, I think it was Tracy, our athletic trainer, said that there was a Phil seven minute walk away. And I was like, what? Phil's <laughs> physique? Let's go. Let's go. That's exactly. I mean, I have the app on my phone just so I can order ahead. So same. Yes, it's worth it. I actually, if I'm honest, I door dashed it the other day when I was like really short on time. That was embarrassing for me, but I did do it because I needed it. <laughs> I've done way worse. I've done way worse. DoorDash and Postmates and Uber Eats are all, you know, probably my top used apps. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But you know, you, you're like a, a big time coach with a family. I don't really have <laughs> as much of an excuse here, but you know, it's okay. You like to stay and watch your shows and then, you know, let the stuff come to you. True. I don't want to miss these softball games that I watch either. Right. You have a lot of editing to do that you can't do at the coffee shop. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we wrap up, um, I play a game with everybody that comes on the show called Safer Out. And basically, I just bring something up having to do with softball and if you like it or you agree with it you call it safe if you don't you call it out i can do that okay yeah I, even coach candrea did it so it's like you know oh. <laughs> I'm interesting ones did he have to think about him really hard a little bit he probably yeah. thought about him harder than like the average person yes <laughs> but i know i know okay so the first one is the transfer portal safer okay. out um, I just made fun of him and I'm really going to think about it. Can it be both? I feel like safe in some instances out in other instances. And that's a way longer answer than you needed, but mostly safe. No, I mean, people have asked for video review <laughs> before in this. Yeah. Yeah. Video review. That, that'll yeah. be my, my response. Yeah. Just getting you ready for later, you know, in yeah, case you need to. I know because it's complicated, right? It's like, it makes sense. Like you said, there are certain instances it makes sense, but in other instances it's, it's tough. And it's like, it feels like just an aspect though to softball that we didn't all have to manage nearly to this level before. It's just add it to the list of things that have changed a lot. I'll say it this way. There's a right way to do it and it's amazing. And I think there's a wrong way to do it. And that can be a detriment to our game. So I think there's two very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was the first one. Second one so is, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, either we, people go video review, Ty goes to the runner. Depends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Second one is NIL. Safer out. Safe. Yeah. Is it something that you feel like the opportunity outweighs any risk that there may be? Um, or do you feel like there's a risk? Yeah. Here, here's what I feel. Well, I can only speak on softball, but um, for me, I feel like the height of most softball players' careers are in college. And, um, you know, some go on and continue to play with the Olympic team or the pro league. But man, they are right now their rock star status is at the Women's College World Series. And to me, like, take full advantage of that. You know, we're not... Um, you know, we don't have MLB careers the same length as a lot of of the best baseball players and those type of salary opportunities. And um, I think where you can go make it, you make it. And, and to me, it hasn't been this like we're not signing million dollar deals over here. But like, can I run? <laughs> can I go run a camp on the weekend when I want to make some extra money like that stuff shouldn't be um, regulated? And our girls have been able to do a lot of cool things in the community. Um, that kind of would have been restricted before, which made no sense to me because really they're able to give back and yeah, they, they probably make a little bit of money, but to me, it's like now they're out there and and Tucson sees them. So, um, for me, it's been a positive for at least our program. But you're the 
favorite type of person to ask for me too, because it's like you have that experience having played pro and gone through that process before these things were in place. But then you're also a coach right now who's dealing with the actual realities of it. Right. So it's such an interesting perspective to get. So I'm, I was very curious your thoughts. So this is, this is cool. (laughs) It does add a whole new element to, to our jobs. It's like, you know, we can't be involved, but we want to know what's going on for our student athletes. So, you know, it's a tough situation to be put in and, and it adds, you know, just another thing to our, to our plate, but I don't know. I've, I've not seen anything but good things an athlete, so I can't knock it. Okay. Last one is bat flips. Safer out. Um, man, you're really hitting me with the hard stuff. I don't mind the passion at all. I think, um, as long as, um, it's passion for you and your team, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll say six. I get what you mean. It's like passion for what was done for the team, not what was done against the yeah. other team, if that I've makes sense. Seen, yeah. I've seen bat flips where you like point to your dugout and you're firing your dugout up. I'm, I'm all on board with that. Yeah. See, this is another one where I was like, okay, I know it's not like your personal style, maybe mm-hmm. um, not just because you were, you were slapping a lot, but also just in general, it's not <laughs> your personal style. Flip a, a chopped single. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Right. I mean, I asked, who was it? Victoria Hayward. When she came on the show, she was like, I'd rather like kind of show off a, a really nice bunt that I lay down. Than, like a home run. I was like, eh, I get that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan though, of the passion displayed by the athletes in this day and age. Like I love, I love Devin's fire. You know, I love the fist pumps after big moments. And I think that's what makes our game, um, I think that's what the ratings are so high for is, you know, the passion being displayed on the field. So I think there's a respectful way to do it, but I think there's definitely a place. Right. Well, I'm super excited to see it this whole weekend. I still can't believe you talked to me on a game day before a game. <laughs> I very much appreciate it. So course, I'm excited to hopefully meet you in person too, at some point this weekend, or I'll see you at Phil's, you know, Absolutely. whatever comes first, <laughs> you know, one of the three times that we're there on uh, any given day. Yeah, right. Exactly. We have all weekend. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I had a good time chatting with Caitlin. I mean, we had multiple technical issues just between all of us. And she and Katie, their SID were class acts, really cool, calm, collected throughout it all. So I appreciated that. And you know what? We got it done. And I'm glad we did because it was definitely worth it. And with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about steering into your strengths. I think the important thing about the ability to steer into your strengths is that you have to understand what they are and what they are not in order to do that. And this is where the self-awareness piece comes in. You know, Caitlin and I talking about how her and her staff complement each other made me think of this a lot. And she's a little quieter, right? Likes to observe, whereas Lauren Lappin is very high energy. And that's the way they were as players. That's how they are as coaches. But as time has passed, I've realized sort of in the job world, as well as the sports world and everything else, that the best leaders are the ones who can do this really well. Like they don't know everything. They don't think they're the best at everything. And they actually, they they know they don't have to be either. They're really good at surrounding themselves with people who are the best. So they can fill any gaps that they might have and their sort of natural strengths with people who thrive in those spaces. And that's not to say we don't work on our weaknesses ever, right? Of course we do. But sometimes it's about working smarter and collectively more so than it is working harder individually. So, and I think it's also important that she lets them thrive, right? Like let them thrive. Caitlin lets Lappin coach third base because of that energy. It's something that she she excels at. And that's why the best leaders actually don't have an ego, right? Like when each person's success is really everyone's success, That feels like a real team. She does that in her staff the way that she wants it with her players. So I just think that Coach Lowe is a really great example of this, and I wanted to reinforce it again. So that's it. Steer into your strengths. That's a foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, and if you liked it, write a review for it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, again, at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. 
You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.